So, James, uh, I got a new TV the other day. New TV? Yeah, yeah, I got a, a new TV, a little, little Christmas gift. Uh, nice little 40-inch uh, 4K TV. Um, I thought I had been watching movies and TV shows in HD. I, I was so wrong. It, it's, it's unbelievable just watching shit now and, like, actually seeing... Um, how insanely detailed some of this shit is. I decided the day I got the TV to watch uh, a, a new Mission Impossible movie. Ooh. Yeah, you know, I figured, why not? Like, let's, let's watch something with some big stunts and explosions and show off how nice looking this TV is. And man, it is insane. Like, y- you think Tom Cruise looks crazy in, in regular definition. Shit. You could you could see the 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 insane thoughts swirling behind his eyes. Can can you count his thetans? Almost, almost. <laughs> I'll tell you what you can definitely see. You can definitely see the fear in in the faces of his co-stars, knowing just how nuts this guy is. The the dude is banana pancakes. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, Tom Cruise is banana pancakes. Yeah. Um, and speaking of banana pancakes, welcome to Jedi Dropouts. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't know what that means, but uh, as always, I'm here with the L. Ron Hubbard of dick jokes, Mr. James Moss. Again, whatever that means. <laughs> the L. Ron Hubbard of dick jokes? Like, did that dude live on a boat with little boys? Like... Little girls, too. Still. That's <laughs> not, it's not better, but... No. It's a quality? It, it, I don't it, know. It's not the gender that I'm really taking issue with. It's the age. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he... Like, I, I I, mean, I don't want to make any false claims about L. Ron Hubbard, but uh, I'm pretty sure he had those little girls for various reasons, and I, I'm pretty sure he had them, like, uh, as... as trained as killers like they were like kind of guards if I'm not mistaken I mean I could be fucking out to lunch here but I I guess that would fit with the topic I don't know um (laughs) (laughs) yeah Scientology's fun oh you know what else I was watching the newest Mission Impossible today um Fallout and um there there was this scene where Tom Cruise is talking to a religious nut job and I was just like you know it there's there's some ironic joke here there's there is like does he is he not aware of the irony of this but have you ever or, seen uh, like the video of him receiving some award from the Church of Scientology no and there's this no, big portrait of L. Ron Hubbard there oh my god and they salute it oh god it's so terrifying yeah yeah i i like i'm i'm not one to have uh like guilty pleasure movies tv shows and that kind of thing because like i just like what i like but i i'm so conflicted on how much i enjoy mission impossible movies versus how terrible and fucking dangerous Tom Cruise and his whole fucking surrounding cast of characters is. Really, though? Yeah. 
if if Simon Pegg weren't in them, I I would be out. I'd be, I'd I'd, I'd stop watching. But you know, <laughs> watch it for the peg. Um. <laughs> Can we just start referring to Simon Pegg as the peg? I'm down with it. Yeah. Um, that also sounds like a like a really bad nickname for Winnipeg. People do call Winnipeg the peg, but. Simon Pegg is the peg with two G's. Yeah, there you go. That's that's how you differentiate the spelling. And, you know, the more G's, the better something is, obviously. Yeah. That's why Triple G is one of the best boxers going today. I have never heard of him, but I... I <laughs> Triple G. Yeah. Well, all three of his initials are G. Oh, uh, okay. So okay, they there just call him Triple G instead of his long, complicated, I believe, Russian name. I could be wrong yeah. on okay. his yeah. nationality, but um, yeah. he is one of the better boxers in his weight category these days, and it's probably yeah. because of the number of Gs. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Jedi Dropouts, geek podcast where we like to talk about Scientology, boxing, and other non-geek things. And I'm here with my friend and co-host, Ryan Taylor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Um, this is our first episode since the Extra Life stream. Yes. Um, the, the first episode recorded since. We've released one, but that was yeah. recorded during the stream. Uh, um, yeah, uh, so we ended up with $300 raised, which was... More than our goal. Yeah, um, and that was awesome. And everyone who tuned in and donated, you guys are all fucking great. You're wonderful people. Yep. Um, so now it's time to convince you to donate more money. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, I just got a little plug here. I want to I want to plug this at the top of the episode because I don't know. Some people may may start a podcast and then say fuck this and turn it off. So I need to get the plug in early. Yep. Um, you know, the entire sandbox gaming community, uh, the whole organization is fantastic, and we want to plug their 80-hour gaming marathon. Wow. 80 fucking hours. This is their 17th one, by the way. <laughs> 17th time doing this. Um, that's coming up on December 7th until the 10th. Uh, let me see. It starts at 12 p.m. Friday, and it ends at 8 p.m. on Monday. That's Newfoundland Standard Time. Uh, all proceeds from the marathon are going directly to Kids Help Phone NL, Big Brothers Big Sisters Eastern NL, and Easter Seals NL. Uh, let's see. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram under Sandbox Gaming. Uh, you can check out the Facebook event page from their Facebook page. Use the hashtag SBG4Kids. That's the number four. SBG4Kids. Uh, you can donate, of course, at www.sandboxgaming.org. And you can check out the live stream over at www.twitch.tv slash sandboxgamingnl. Uh, they raise a ton of money for great charities. They do some excellent stuff. And um, there's also a grand prize they announced just the other day, which is really exciting. Uh, for every $20 donation you get an entry, and that is up to a maximum of five entries, and the grand prize is a console of your choice or a laptop of equivalent value. Wow. Right? It's pretty fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, check that out. Check out the stream. Go give them some likes online. Donate some money. Try and win yourself a, a nice console. You want to 
I want a PS4, you want a Switch. Personally, I'm going to enter, see if I can get myself a Virtual Boy, maybe an Atari Jaguar. Yep. Papa needs a new Game Gear. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Game Gear, fuck. I don't have enough things burning through six batteries at once in my house. Yeah, really, though. <laughs> uh, there's some sad news we got to get to. Yep. Yeah. Uh, man, this fucking kills me. Um, it's not, it's not news anymore, but it's so, it's just, it's too big not to talk about. We're about two weeks removed from it now. Uh, last November 12th, um, Stan Lee passed away at age 95. Stan Lee, um, can you, can you think of a, a bigger, a bigger name, a bigger personality in geek culture? Not really, no. Like th- he's he's the big one, right? Like yeah. he's the he's the Godfather. Yeah, yeah. If if you're doing a Mount Rushmore of geekdom, he's the first and foremost, front and center, right? Yeah. That's a fun question we should get to sometime later date. Um, we'll put a pin in that one. What three other faces would you put on the Mount Rushmore of geekdom? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, he, you got to give it to him. He he had a good run. Ninety five. You can't uh, you can't you can't do much better than that no. these days. Uh, he had a long run, and he was so active up until the very end. Like still appearing at at comic cons, and still making the the Marvel cameos and so on. Um, and still writing and creating. Yep. Like still creating characters. Um. Uh, one thing I do want to address, there is some criticism, some, um, a bit of, uh, conflict here. Some people make claims that Stanley took credit for certain things that were created or co-created by other, uh, artists and writers. Uh, so we should probably mention Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. They did, uh... There's, it's kind of blurry as to who created what. Unless you were in the room, really, you don't know. Yeah, for sure. Exactly, exactly. So what we, what I will do here, um, is just say that Stanley had a hand in some of the greatest characters ever written in comics. Yep. And some of the most iconic characters of all time. Whether he created them individually, part of a team, maybe some of these he didn't even have anything to do with. It's hard to say, but. Uh, even despite the the writing and the character creation, like just what he did in terms of being a personality and being a visible creator in the geek world, like he, it, it wouldn't be where it is without him. Yeah. Um. And if if somehow you're listening to this podcast and you're not familiar with Steve with Steve Jesus with Stanley and and what he did with Stanley um, and his brother Steve Lee, sure, um, <laughs> he uh, he has claims to at least co-creating Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, the Incredible Hulk, Black Panther, Ant-Man. Doctor Strange, Daredevil, and more. Like, some of the biggest superheroes yep. of all time. Um, 
yeah, it's it's crazy. The guy's got an insane legacy. It's um, and he, he was one of a kind. Like from from all firsthand accounts that I've seen, he was apparently a very very great person. Yeah, I haven't read anything negative about Stan. No, I've never heard of a bad encounter or anything like that. Um, and even when it comes to uh, like social issues, he seemed to be ahead of his time in some of the stuff, like some of his his beliefs on equality. I mean, I could be wrong there, but like I, I've seen uh, just some of the stuff he wrote even back in like the eighties. That was it's just like so um, such present day issues still. Yeah. About r- race and gender that he seemed to be completely on top of. So yeah, um, you got any any personal favorite Stan Lee moments or or even like a favorite Marvel movie cameo or anything like that? Favorite cameo. It's hard, right? It is hard. Um. Deadpool comes to mind when he was the announcer in the strip club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think Thor Ragnarok was a good one too. Yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, I think his cameo in the first Thor was probably the best part of that movie. Driving that pickup truck. Yeah, trying the pickup truck, trying to. Uh, Trying to to haul off Mjolnir and like just tearing the back half of his truck off, yeah, I th- I thought that was fun. Um, there's this uh, YouTube clip you can look up, which is just one of my favorite fucking things that Stanley ever did. Um, it's Stanley talking with Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld. Ooh. Uh, if you don't know, Todd McFarlane, best known as the creator of Spawn and Venom, and Rob Liefeld being a co-creator on Deadpool. Uh, those two are basically like fully responsible for everything that was 90s comics. Like, just muscles on top of muscles and chains everywhere and X's in all the titles and just like this like overly sexual violence uh, new era of comics. Uh, and so it's Stan Lee, Rob Liefeld, and Todd McFarlane talking, and Rob and Todd are like, um, I don't know if they're creating a character at the time, they're just drawing this character, and Stan Lee is criticizing every fucking decision. Like, why does he have so many pockets? And won't that be so heavy? How's he gonna get around? And, and all this shit. And it's just like, it's it's the perfect example of like how yeah it, it seems sometimes that like Stanley's characters may have been simple but like they were simple for a reason and the guy actually knew what he was doing um and also like that clip is just funny as shit because he is tearing them apart I highly recommend looking it up definitely so fucking good um yeah um. I don't know what else to say, man. We we talk about superheroes so much. I feel like we really like we really needed to address this. Speaking of Stanley, um, I actually finished the new Spider-Man game 
because I got my PS4 working again. Yeah. And I finished the game the night before Stan passed. And so I was kind of on a Spider-Man wave, and then I figured Stan created uh, Spider-Man, or at least had a hand in it. So in order to honor Stan, I figured I would watch every single Spider-Man movie from the first Tobey Maguire one to Homecoming. Wow. And I found one way that I feel like the Tom Holland Spider-Man movie was the weakest. Okay. And that is Flash Thompson. Oh. The Spider-Man Homecoming has the weakest Flash Thompson. Like, yeah, I get it that he's a different type of bully, like, not one that's just relying purely on the physical, but he's, you know, he's also part of the debate club or whatever, and he's just still just being a dick, just being a bully, and, like, calling Peter Penis Parker and stuff like that. Yeah. But, like, in the Tobey Maguire movies, you had fucking Deathstroke. You had fucking Joe Magnello. Manginello or whatever the fuck his name is. Like the guy, but I can never get his name right. Yeah, yeah. As Flash Thompson. And in the Andrew Garfield movies, you had this... I can't remember the dude's name. Fucking Chad Michael Murray lookalike. Okay, yeah, yeah. Dude, as Flash Thompson. But they both were... Like, obviously... Like, it seems like every reiteration of Flash we get is less physically imposing... But next time you watch Homecoming, just look at this kid and think to to yourself, like, would he become Agent Venom? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I I don't need to look up who he is. I know the actor. I'm familiar. He was in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, I forget his name. But here's my counter-argument to that. It is definitely the least classic Flash Thompson but I feel like it's more realistic to this day and age because the physical violence is not as prevalent as like cyberbullying these days and bullying has kind of transformed into a different thing not to say that the physical stuff isn't there it is but uh, I feel like a dumb like physically uh, just a, a big brute doesn't have the same sort of, uh, like, high school social status as he once would have. I feel like... I feel like like that is a more realistic Flash Thompson for this generation. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. Joe Manganiello... Uh, Joe Man- oh, my God. I can't get his name either. Uh, <laughs> Joe Manganiello was definitely a more uh, classic comic-to-screen adaptation of Flash Thompson. And I think he kind of stood out a little more. Yeah. Like, not to say that, um, that new one was done poorly or anything like that, because I think it was fine, but it's not as memorable in my eyes. So yeah, I, I, I do see what you're saying. I don't know. Whenever I think of Flash, I think of, like, the dude who ends up becoming Agent Venom. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I just don't see the newest Flash becoming that. If anything, I see the Andrew Garfield Flash becoming him. 
the most because I mean towards the end like yeah he starts off as a dick but towards the end he's like you know like when Uncle Ben dies he's you know being a bit more sympathetic towards Peter and then like he's wearing like Spider-Man shirt at the end and he's being like yeah this guy's pretty cool yeah and it kind of shows like a flash that might be realizing like you know being a dick jock in high school isn't the way he wants to lead his life and you know might be showing him veering towards where he starts his career in the military yeah trying to serve his country and help people yeah makes sense yeah Um, I don't know just my take on it to cap off the uh, Stan Lee uh, just pan our respect a little there Um, I you know what I do have a, a favorite cameo that I think is maybe the best one and it's from that Spider-Man PS4 game. Yeah. I thought that cameo was fucking perfect. It was... Um, and if you haven't played the game, it's it's not really a spoiler. But uh, Peter and Mary Jane are out at a diner. And when Peter leaves, um, the I guess it's the diner owner or the, just the guy working there is Stan Lee, and he makes a a quip about how it's nice to see them together again. Which, I thought that was really sweet. Because, it just just fits so well together. The classic Peter and Mary Jane. You know. So yeah, um, I guess that's that's that. Yep. Uh, So rest in peace, Mr. Stan Lee. And, uh, Excelsior, I guess? Yeah. Okay, um, get away from the the sadness and into some fun stuff here. Um, I think it's about time we do a mailbag. Yep. So you got some questions ready there? I can fish a couple out. I got the box here in handy. Okay. Uh, we won't set like a, a number. We'll just uh, we'll go one time and and you know. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. What do I have here? Okay. We have. And I apologize if I'm getting the name wrong. Uh, Jacob Ferrer. Okay. Uh, there's no Twitter handle or email for us to contact him and let him know, but he said, what's the tech setup like? The tech setup? Oh, okay. Wants to know our setup. Ooh, that is interesting. Okay, um, well, uh, drawing back the curtain a little bit here, um, currently we are, uh, we're chatting with each other over Skype call. Yep. Uh, and each individually recording our tracks on the same microphones. Uh, we both have blue snowballs. Yep. Uh, and it's a USB microphone. Yep, USB blue snowball. Uh, running that through our laptops on Audacity, and all the uh, all the post work is done through Audacity. It's a um, yeah. It's not the most complex setup. No, it's definitely not. But we're we're making do with the budget we have at the moment. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like we get a pretty decent sound for uh, the investment. 
Yeah. And so, like, I'm wearing headphones right now, so I'm listening to Ryan through the headphones, and you guys aren't picking up any of Ryan's uh, audio through my microphone. Yes. Um, We've gone through a couple iterations of the text setup Yeah. uh, since we started this, so if you're listening to older episodes, the first few, when we recorded in person, were done just with a a blue snowball uh, on a different setting to... uh, yeah, because we were in the same room. Yeah, basically acting as a condenser mic. Um, and from there, we moved to the Skype setup where originally we, we still recorded it all on one end. So I had a Skype call running through a Bluetooth speaker. I forget the name on the speaker right now. Um, and the same Blue Snowball uh, condenser setup. Which is why, for a long time, you could you can almost tell that you were coming through a Skype call, and my voice was clearer for a while there. And now we moved to this setup, and this is definitely our, our clearest and best setup so far. Yep, but you know, as the podcast goes on, we're always hoping it'll grow and evolve and yes, get better. Definitely, I'm I'm definitely making the uh, considerations now to upgrade my setup. Yeah, I have been too, actually. Um, now, after the Christmas season, when I you know, can reevaluate my budget a little bit, mm. I'm hoping to put some money aside and switch from uh, my laptop to actually just getting a desktop with two Ooh. monitors nice. and getting a more professional-looking setup for podcasting for uh twitch streaming and for uh video editing yeah sounds good i'm uh i'm wondering what to upgrade first basically because like the computer uh you know it's getting aged but also i've been having some minor microphone issues lately actually um you might notice i'm not as loud as james and that's because my microphone decided that it wasn't going to fuck off completely and stop working. It was just going to not be quite as loud for some reason. I've tried to find a fix for it. I can't. It's still pretty clear. It's still getting good sound. It's just not as loud, which I don't know. I'm no I'm no tech expert. If you know if you know what a fix is, you can let me know. I'd, I'd be glad to fix this one instead yeah. of you know. Plus, like I have a specific room in my house for this yeah so i mean i can afford to you know have the big setup have like a specific space with like a desktop yeah but i don't know if you have like you're you're at your kitchen table right now aren't you uh no i'm I'm at my uh my living room coffee table little little, okay little comfy setup you know yeah, still yeah. not something that well, would require a desktop. Yeah, I'm still like five feet from my kitchen table. I mean, it's all basically one room. Um, yeah, but no, I look, we, me and my wife Charlotte. Um, I've I've been call I've been just referring to her openly as Charlotte on this podcast, but I realize we have a bunch of new listeners. And I should probably f- clarify that's my wife. Um, 
we've looked into the desktop thing before. We're both gamers. We, you know, we have we have serious uses for it. I mean, she does a lot of computer work at her job, uh, but like we just don't have the space. We don't have the space for a setup. I would love to have a desktop for this stuff. Yeah, but it's not the space right now. Maybe maybe at a later date. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean this this setup right now is fine. Um, it's only going to get better. I don't think we're we're going to downgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next mailbag question. Thank you for that, uh, Jacob. Was it? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Was Jacob? I'm not uh, sure how we'll contact Jacob to let him know we answered the question, but maybe he just listens. Who knows? I hope he listens. Yeah. Let's see what we got here. Uh, this one comes from James, not me. Okay. <laughs> uh, again, no contact info, but it says, where did you get your name from the idea? Oh, these are good questions. Um, these are good questions. Well, I won't take the credit. You you came up with this name, Jedi Dropout. I did come up with this name. Um, it was at a time where I was still playing in bands, and I was... You know, I was used to spitballing band name suggestions around just trying to find something catchy that would stick, like, something half-memorable. And I'm always watching Star Wars and stuff like that. Like, I've always been a huge Star Wars fan. And I was just kind of thinking about Ryan and myself and thinking, like, okay, you know... We do like to act a bit goofy and stupid sometimes and blah, 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 but we're geeks. And I was just thinking like something along the lines of like, you know, we were on the path to becoming Jedi Knights, but, you know, we were just too dumb and we dropped out of the Jedi Temple. Didn't go full Anakin and slaughter younglings, but, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of the... That's the elevator pitch of where the name came from. I was watching Star Wars, and I was just thinking, like, you know, we we were at the Jedi Academy trying to become Jedi, trying to become, like, these noble heroes, but we were just too lazy and stupid, and we dropped out of the Jedi Academy to pursue our own selfish interests. Yeah. Um, I'll also say, like, there was a name, I don't know if you were as sold on it as I was, I was super sold on this name, and it already exists, it was already taken, I didn't want to, I want to, like, we wanted something that didn't already exist. Yeah. Uh, I was totally sold on Alter Ego, because it just seemed fitting with, like, the amount of superhero talk that we do and so on, but, yeah. uh... I don't know. It, it like it's. I liked it, but it never, it never fully fit. And at the second you texted me Jedi Dropouts, I was like, yes, that's the name. Let's fucking do it. Um. Yeah, these are good questions. These are like sort of behind the scenes questions. It's fun. Uh, let's see. Did you want one more? Yeah, let's try one more. 
Maybe maybe we go for four. This one comes from Fortnite J. Fortnite J. Okay. Saying, do you like Fortnite and why? Uh, hmm. Have you tried Fortnite? I, I, I've never played Fortnite. Um, I know a lot of people who are getting into it lately. Uh, it's, it's the biggest fucking game in the world right now. Even people, even like friends of mine who aren't really gamers, like people who have never really been like big into games, like... I don't want to play into stereotypes here, but, like, girls that you look at and, like, you're like, oh, she's definitely not a gamer. And yeah, yeah. they themselves will say, like, they've never really been into many games in the past. But they're so hardcore into Fortnite that they have, like, Fortnite socks and shirts and, like, their yeah. social media stories are them, like, playing Fortnite and, like, or, like, with a coffee table full of snacks being like gearing up for a night of Fortnite and it's like man like people are hardcore into this I've never played it um I'm not big into shooters and stuff but I know it's not like a typical shooter in a lot of ways um I mostly just haven't had the time to try it because I mean I just finished uh, well, I finished Spider-Man, like, once I got my PS4 working again, I barreled through that game as fast as I could to, uh, 100% complete that game, um, in time for Pokemon Let's Go to come out. Oh, nice. And that game has been out for 10 days now, and I've already completed the Pokedex and beat the Elite Four, and I'm just doing post-game stuff now good stuff yeah um the thing i do like about that is that i can just take my switch with me like i took it to st john's with me when emily and i were out there uh doing some christmas shopping last week and so like while she was putting her makeup on getting ready to go to the mall i you know just bust out my switch and play it portable for a little bit and do a little bit of shiny hunting so that was good but um i mean i just finished that and smash is only like two weeks away yep smash is coming and by the time that my hype from smash starts to die down it'll pretty much be the remake of resident evil Oh, yeah, that's right, too. Yeah. And maybe after that, I'll get into uh, trying some new stuff. But, I mean, I work 12-hour shifts, and I try to get to the gym, and I try to have a social life, and try to spend time with my fiancé, and try to be a responsible dog owner, and try to keep my house clean, like, you know, and doing this podcast well yeah yeah so sometimes i get really behind with picking up new things like that like Fortnite. i'm not saying i don't want to try it i'm just i don't know if i ever will just because i don't know if i can really put the time into it like if i can fit it into my life i'll give it a shot 
yeah. if I'm ever at a friend's house and they're playing it, yeah, sure, maybe I'll pick up the controller and try a round or two. Yeah. But, yeah, I haven't even watched anyone play it just because I haven't had the time. I, okay, okay. Um, I just want to add, uh, on top of all that stuff you were saying you're trying to keep up with, trying to keep up with geek culture these days is a fucking full-time job. Yeah. It's it's insane. Um, so, yeah, Fortnite, like, I know what you're saying. With It, it seems like everybody is playing this, and even people who just... They're not gamers. Like, fucking businessmen who don't really game are, are playing this thing. Like, um, it's available on mobile and on iPads, and it is... It's it's kind of reached that, like, Minecraft level of, like, everybody plays this fucking thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact numbers on... I, I feel like I saw a number that said, like, 125 million people play this game. I mean, I could, that could be off. It maybe that's it. Maybe it's more now. I don't know, but uh, I tried it. I've tried to. I've watched a bit, and I've played a little bit. I don't really get it. Like, I don't really get the hype. Um, I don't know. I'm. I was never really the biggest uh, like online gaming sort of fan. Uh, I played a little bit of Destiny online I'm I'm like with destiny I'm more of the uh, solo guy anyway um, and like yeah I like I like rocket league and and like I play some NHL and stuff like that but like rocket league is fun as shit rocket league is so much fun right um, but mostly I'm a solo gamer as like you know if I'm playing multiplayer I want to play like multiplayer in the room like Mario Kart or Street Fighter or something like that smash Bros like you said right yeah you know, uh, but I don't know. I uh, no, nothing. I don't really know what the hook is with Fortnite. I don't really like. I almost need to get someone to explain it to me. Like maybe it's the dances. I don't know. Yeah, but like that's that's not the only game that does that. Destiny does that, and it's fun. Like you know, you can get the little emotes. Um, I remember like long before Fortnite was putting in the flossing or whatever. Destiny had the hotline bling dance, right? And, um, yeah, it's fun. But, like, I, I'm just curious as to what the selling point is. Because even watching it, I haven't really had that much fun. Maybe I'm watching the wrong people play it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, I'm not I'm not one to shit on other people's stuff. So, like, if you enjoy Fortnite, that's fucking great. I'm glad you've found something you enjoy. Uh, especially if you're not someone who typically likes video games and you found a video game that hooked you, that's great. That's, you know, it's better for the, for the geek world, really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, cool. Um, I wish we had more to say, but I, I guess we're, we're kind of like the out of touch old guys who don't get the, the new game. I don't know. I'm uh, too busy driving kids off my lawn to play Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, uh... I've actually never drove kids off my lawn. Like, I actually um, came out of the house one night and there were two kids. Because, like, I have a long walkway with a single step. And then the walkway continues a little bit before the sidewalk. And there were two kids, like... They were probably, like, seven years old. And they were, like, skateboarding up the walkway and trying to, like, ollie off that one little step and then keep going to the sidewalk 
and I was on my way to work this evening and I opened the door and walked out of the house and they stopped and looked at me like I was going to start bawling at them. I was just like, I just looked at them. I was like, dude, as long as you don't hurt yourself on my property, I'm cool. Like if you want, don't hurt yourself. Don't damage anything. Keep it up. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. But they just looked at me like they were just like, oh my God, he's going to yell at us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> and, then, and then you went off to get yourself an early bird special, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, what do you think? You want, you think that's enough mailbag for one day or you want to? Well, I just pulled out one more. Okay. Okay. One more to top it off. And this is from Saul, S-O-L. S-O-L. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. It says, why is Mitchell the best host? Why is Mitchell the best host? That doesn't sound biased at all. No. <laughs> uh, I I gotta wonder. Um, now Saul is a friend of Mitchell. Uh, yeah. He's he's uh, he's appeared on uh, a couple episodes of Hyper Battle with Mitchell, and I'm sure at some point he's gonna appear on Final Form, at least. Uh, I, I might as well plug. Uh, Saul hosts uh, a couple podcasts of his own. Um, wasted potential being one. I, I the the names of them all are kind of slipping me right now. He, he goes under the name Triggering Chaos on Podbean. Um, nice. Yeah, he um, he's a podcaster himself. Um, why is Mitchell the best host? Um, hmm. uh, best in what regard? Cause yeah. yeah, I mean, I like to think I'm the best looking host. I, I I don't know. I got nothing. I uh, we we need we need to have a we need to hold some sort of competition to actually crown this. This sounds unfounded. This is an yep. unfounded claim. With you have no proof, sir. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> um, um, I mean, we we can have a little competition, like based on like different criteria of like knowledge in different categories and such oh oh, okay i don't know i think in terms of quality hosts like consistency i might be the worst but (laughs) when it comes to physical appearance which matters not on a purely audio platform (laughs) i'm number (laughs) one um uh no man you're you're better than you give yourself credit for to be honest no no seriously i honestly i um i i received compliments on the podcast like i've received multiple compliments on the podcast that all uh pinpointed your comedy specifically sick and that i you're you're the comedic selling point of this thing man yep and we're a geek comedy podcast. That's that's half the title right yeah. there. Um, I th- I think we all bring something to this. We definitely do. We all have different uh, styles of of hosting of, of uh, we have we have different ways of going about this. Uh, we all bring something different to the table, and I think we all bring something important to the table. Uh, and yes, that means Mitchell too. Uh, I think Mitchell uh, 
That's one thing. You know what? Let's talk about Mitchell for a minute because Mitchell's been a part of this since the spring. He's not here to defend himself. That was one thing, like, I I knew Mitchell had the knowledge of the topics we were going to get into in final form when we started that thing. Yep. I had no idea he had uh, that sort of natural speaking ability, and, like, he, like, the first time we did an episode together, I was, I was blown away by how natural it came to him. Um, And I I feel like he's become an essential part of Jedi Dropout's production since then. So, shout out to you, Mitchell. Yeah. Thanks, Saul, for uh, boosting his ego up a little bit. Yep. And I guess that'll end our mailbag. Yes. For today. Yeah. We, we've still got quite a few from Atlanticon to get to, right? Yeah. Uh, looks like we have another two episodes worth. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. That'll last us the, the rest of the season, then. Yes. Um, so, we have two major topics to get to today. Um, movies and video games because oh. we've seen some movies and we've played some video games. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, I suppose. I, I just thought we were talking about tits and ass. Tits and ass. Yep. Uh, wrong podcast per- for starters. Per- personally, I don't have tits. <laughs> I have an ass. Personally, I do not have an ass. <laughs> um, I have no bunghole. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Uh, enough of that. Yeah. Uh, okay. What do you want to talk about first? Let's get into the movies. Okay, cool. Uh, so, you went to St. John's recently. I went to Halifax recently. Yes. Both cities with respectable movie theaters, and we got to see some stuff, uh, right? Respectable's maybe pushing it with the state of St. John's Theater right now because <laughs> of all the rats. Um. Okay, from from a from a confidential point of view here, I'm not gonna get into where exactly I used to work. You can figure it out if you know me, but I'm just gonna say the rats are not a new thing <laughs> at all. Yeah, the rats have been there for far longer than people have realized. Uh, I've seen them. Uh, big hulking bitches. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so you got to see Venom, I which did. we talked about on the last episode without having seen. Um, and all I know from you is that you enjoyed it. Like we don't, we don't need to get into like full synopsis stuff here, but like, um, it sounds it sounds fun. It it was a lot of fun. I really don't understand where all the hate came from for this movie. Yeah. I liked the approach they took with, like, you could hear what Venom is saying to Eddie. Okay. So, like, like Eddie's talking out loud, but you could hear, like, Venom's voice in his head being like, we should do this, and Eddie being like, no, we're not doing that. And, like, just talking <laughs> to himself and, like, people just, like, looking at him like he's a crazy person as he's walking up the street. It's like, hey, there's a dog, and Venom's like, we should eat that. And Eddie's like, no, we shouldn't. (laughs) Venom's like, oh, okay. Like, you know? Which I thought was a cool approach. Like, especially at first, like, Eddie just thinks he's losing his fucking mind. He thinks he's just hallucinating this voice. 
for the longest time. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Um, the villain choice was... I was a bit iffy on. Yeah. The final fight in the movie was... Like, I liked it, but I did kind of take issue with it for the same reason that I kind of didn't like the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Um, oh, yeah. CGI mess? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's nighttime, and Venom is fighting Riot, and they're both similar in size, and Venom's black, and Riot's kind of gray, but it's... Like I said, it's nighttime, and they're, like, on top of each other, just, like, brawling, and it just kind of gets a bit muddled, and it's hard to tell them apart, and it just kind of looks like a big jumble of symbiote. Kind of like how in the Michael Bay Transformers movies, at certain points, like, it's just, like, metal. Just, like... It's hard to tell what's what. Like, it's just two big metal things just punching each other up close. And it's just... It looks like a big jumbled mess. Yeah. Which, I hear you. Which, I don't know. A lot of people were like, Oh, well, they should have had Carnage as the villain. But if you watch the post-credit scenes, that's what they're building towards. Yeah. Again, I don't know how I feel about their casting choices, Carnage. Um, Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Yeah. I think he could pull it off because he can pull off crazy, but yeah. the fucking wig that they had on him, because Woody's bald. Yeah, of course. And so the red, mm. like, fuzzy wig that they had on him looked a bit too Ronald McDonald for my taste. I hear you. Yeah. Like, I, um, I don't know. I think the, the wig looked awful. By the way, I'm pretty sure we reported on Woody Harrelson as possibly playing Carnage like a fucking year, maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah, like we're, we're consistently yeah. like pulling off these picks. We really are. Like that's like, what, the fourth one we've predicted? Well, like, some of them were just fan casting we did, which we need to do another fan casting just so we can, you know, accurately pick out castings from the next couple of years, because it's what we do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that one was, like, early reported, like, rumored news that I caught. Like, I'm still going to start uh, watching the credits of these movies, like, looking for our names. Yeah, really, Like, though. sweet Jesus. It's getting out of hand. Yeah. Where's um, my money? Hashtag pay him. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Venom, uh, while the reviews haven't been great and they've been mixed and the critics aren't on board, um, the Venom has been a fucking huge success for Sony. Yeah, but, okay, as far as what the critics say, like, I mean, the critics shit all over um, Batman vs. Superman, mm-hmm. which I love, like... It's not the yeah. best Batman movie, but it's not nearly as bad as they said it was. Like, yeah, there's been plenty of things that the critics shit over that I've thought was great. Yeah, and there's things that the I... critics love that I was just like, Pfft. yeah. Well, see, there's this thing too. Like, I've noticed 
no matter how good the superhero movies are, every year they need to have one as an example of their bad superhero movies. Yeah. Like, last year, Justice League... I mean, not to say Justice League was great, it really it wasn't, but, I mean, the reviews were fucking horrendous. Yeah. And then, uh, what year before that was probably... I don't remember, honestly. But it seems like every year they, they, they've got to find one superhero movie to shit on. So, I guess Venom is their scapegoat this year. Yeah. Um, but the audience and the box office are giving them a big fuck you because Venom is now the 14th highest grossing superhero movie of all time. Which, I mean, compared to some of the fucking blockbusters we've gotten... Yep. ...is pretty fucking good. Like, the number of superhero movies that they've been cranking out... Yep. ...and the quality and success of some of them, like... ...fucking Infinity War and Deadpool and Spider-Man Homecoming and Civil War, like... ...fucking Thor Ragnarok, like... ...for it to be 14th out of all these fucking movies... It's making Marvel money. Yeah. Like, that means it has beaten some of the movies in the MCU. Oh, yeah. Some some good ones, too. Like, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure it beat Guardians. There you um, go. It has grossed over $800 million worldwide right now. Wow. Yeah, it's fucking insane, right? Uh, and on top of this uh, development, Sony has set release dates for... Uh, Venom-related movies for 2020. Uh, yeah. July t- July 10th and October 2nd. And the the idea is probably Venom 2 and Morbius, the living vampire. Fuck yeah. I'm hoping for some Craven soon, too, though. Yeah, see, that's what I want. I want the Craven movie first. And speaking of movies we talked about in our last episode, uh, I got to see Halloween. Yeah. It was fucking great. I don't have a whole lot to say right now because I basically agree with everything you said about this movie. <laughs> like, you took the words out of my mouth. It was fucking... It was great. It was fucking awesome. Uh, I think with Halloween and A Quiet Place and Hereditary, like, 2018 is a fucking great year for horror. And and there's so many more that I want to see. Um... Let me see. Uh, I'm going to touch on a couple more that I saw really quick, and then we'll get into that other one that you wanted to talk about. Yep. Which I'm curious about. Um, the other two movies, the newer ones that I saw, because I like, I I got that new TV, so I've been going back and watching a bunch of movies throughout the, from like earlier on in the year and so on. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, so I went to Halifax. We saw Halloween. Our boat got delayed on the way back, so we had an extra night over there. So, we went to see Overlord. I wanted to see that, but I never got a chance to. It's fun, man. Like, it's not... I'm not going to call it anything. It didn't blow me away, but it's fun. Um, The best example I can think of for what it is like is, like, if you ever played Wolfenstein, it's... It's kind of like Wolfenstein brought to life, except instead of 
like robot Nazis, you got zombie Nazis. Um, I will say I expected a horror movie with war elements. It's kind of the opposite. It's like a war movie that has some horror elements to it. Okay. Um, and it's the closest I've ever seen to a video game brought to life on screen. Because the whole, like, the way the story goes and the way you follow the main character from one event to the next, it feels like a video game. Like, and even some of the camera angles and, and just the way the, the, the way the story pushes the character into these, like, different types of missions, it really feels like a video game. Um, yeah, it was a good movie. I recommend it. It, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, um, and I think Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, like that dude is fucking awesome. Like whenever he is on screen, I am drawn in. Um, he was in Twenty Two Jump Street. Is that who that is? is? Yeah, that's Kurt Russell's son, the bl- the guy with the long blonde hair, Wyatt Russell. I'm only just realizing now. Yeah. That he is Kurt Russell's son. Like, I know who he is. I know. It, it, I, I saw him in, like, two or three movies before I realized who he was. He was in um, Goon, Last of the Enforcers. He was in This is 40. I haven't seen This is 40 yet. I still haven't got around to it. Yeah, he was um, a pro hockey player who was hitting on, I believe, Leslie Mann's character. Really? Yeah. Huh. And he was in Goon. Yeah, he must have some. He must have some kind of hockey experience. Well, I just googled him. Yeah, and it says um, Wyatt Han Russell is an American actor and former ice hockey player. Oh, okay. There you go. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. He's one of the main characters in Overlord. Um, this dude should be an A-lister. Like he should be. A fucking Hollywood leading man, and I would love to see him get like, I don't know, a part in a Marvel movie would be cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who I'd get him to play offhand. Like, I don't know. I can't think of anybody offhand that really seems fitting. Um, but yeah, he's he's great, and I feel like he brings a lot to that movie. Um. The other movie I watched uh, didn't get to see in theaters, but is a new Netflix original. Um, not the typical movie we talk about on this show. It's a new Netflix original called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I saw that on there, but I never watched it yet. That's the one with... Um, I don't know who you're going you're for. You're going to say his name, and I'm going to be like, that's the one I was trying to get out. Is it? Is it Tim Blake Nelson? That's the one. The guy who played... Um, who should eventually turn into the leader in The Incredible yeah. Hulk. Yes, that's the guy. He was in Old Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, actually that's the movie I'm going to bring up because um, so the reason I was excited for this one, this is created by the Coen Brothers. Yes. And like I, I, I don't talk about it on the show a whole lot, but I had this period where I got super into specific film directors and the Coen Brothers are one of my all time favorites. Uh, Old Brother Where Art Thou, The Big Lebowski, Fargo. Like, the Coen brothers are fucking phenomenal. 
and out no country for old men um so ballad of buster scruggs is a western anthology dark comedy drama sort of thing like it's hard to explain what it is if you don't know the coen brothers and know the kind of movies that they make but it's like a series of 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 short stories um Tim Blake Nelson stars in one. Liam Neeson is in one. Uh, fucking Tom Waits is in it. it. It's really, really interesting. Some of them are. Some of the short stories are, are better than others. Uh, it doesn't quite do for me what a lot of Coen Brothers movies do. It doesn't hit those highs, but it was fun. It, it was a solid uh, Coen Brothers movie. Um, had a lot of fun like some some of the stories were fucking phenomenal i really really enjoyed the uh tom waits plays this like uh gold prospector out in the mountains trying to find gold and he runs into trouble uh it was a lot of fun uh i recommend it i mean it's on netflix so it's not going to cost you anything to go watch um but if you did like it uh if you if you did watch this and enjoyed it I highly recommend you go check out other Coen Brothers movies. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? is maybe one of my favorite movies ever made. It's so good. Uh, Big Lebowski's a classic. Um, yeah. So anyway, that those are the, the new movies that I've seen that I wanted to mention. Um, and you saw another movie that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. You You specifically messaged me and said that you had a rant about this movie. When Emily picked me up at the theater, I just, like, the entire drive back to our Airbnb was just me ranting about this fucking movie. <laughs> okay. Hello, puppy dog. Oakley just decided to grace me with his presence. Oh. How, how, uh, how generous of him. Yeah. It's because his mother is out... Christmas shopping, and he is an attention whore. It happens. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I went and saw the new Robin Hood movie. Yes. With a friend of mine who has uh, supported this podcast a fair bit, Sarah Butler. Um, yeah. She and I had very differing opinions on this movie. She loved it. She said it was solid, like, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, whatever. Whoa, that high, really? Oh, she fucking loved this movie. She said she absolutely loved it. But, right. um, this movie is actually fucking doing piss poor at the box office. Yeah. Uh, it had over a $100 million budget, and it only took in $14 million opening weekend, I think. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and not just at the box office, the critics hate it. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's one of the leading nominees right now for worst movie of the year. Um, okay. So, okay. first of all, why the fuck do we need yet another Robin Hood movie this soon? Like, how many Robin Hood movies have we had in my lifetime? You have a good point. Like, we just had, like, we've had the Kevin Costner one, we've had Men in Tights, we've had... Yeah. We just had a Russell Crowe movie within, 
of Robin Hood within the last couple of years, really. Yeah. Like, when did the Russell Crowe Robin Hood come out? Uh, I'm going to guess, like, 2011, 2012, maybe? Robin Hood... 2010. Okay. So, wow. less than okay. a decade ago. Yeah. It was very much like a Batman Green Arrow. I know, like, Green Arrow, Oliver Queen is, you know, very... Like, you could say it's based on Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it starts off with Lord Robin of Loxley being called away to war. So... Basically, the Sheriff of Nottingham can declare him dead and seize his assets. Okay. But he comes home and, like, everyone thinks he's dead and he has to, like... He comes back from the dead and by day he is this rich playboy who's earning the favor of the Sheriff and of the church... And at night, he's a vigilante who wears a mask and a hood, and they call him The Hood. Which, funny enough, is what they called Green Arrow in the first season of Arrow. Yeah. The Hood. Yeah. And towards the end of the movie, um, like, Robin and Marion were in love before he got called away to war. Um... He comes home, she has a new man. The new man is trying to head the revolution. Uh, him and Robin bought heads a fair bit, even after Robin reveals himself to be the hood. They kind of butt heads a little bit on ideas, but he's like, fine, I'll go along with it. And then he gets a Molotov cocktail to one side of his face and become goes from being like the voice of the people to becoming the new sheriff of Nottingham at the very end of the movie in a very Harvey Dent-esque turn. Ah. In a movie that has a rich guy coming home who's presumed dead and you know basically doing the whole Batman Bruce Wayne duality. Hmm. But that is not where my main problem with this fucking movie lies. Okay. Two words, Jamie fucking Fox. It's three words. Two words. Fucking Fox is one word. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, Jamie Fox plays John, who... Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's supposed to be Lil John. Yeah. And not once in this fucking movie do we get a who what? But. Okay. <laughs> so he is one of like. I'm I'm just throwing mad spoilers out here. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert for anyone who is really ex is excited to see the new Robin Hood and hasn't yet. Yeah. Okay. So Robin goes to war and. They're fighting, as they refer to them, the Arabs. Okay. And Robin 
tries to show mercy to one of them who ends up being John's son. John stows away on the boat when Robin gets shipped home and he's like, you showed my son mercy and I'm gonna help train you so we could get back at the people who sent you to war and seized all your shit. So, John lost his hand in this war. Yep. So, you know, he has one hand. Okay. John also has... Because have you seen any of the pictures of Jamie Foxx from this movie? I think so, but I haven't looked too closely. He has very distinct scarification done to his face. Like, he has, like, dot work patterns of scarification going up both cheeks. Okay. So, during his training with Robin, when he's teaching him to be a better archer and Batman... Mm-hmm. Um he decides he's going to make a for some reason he doesn't make a prosthetic for his hand he just makes a big cast iron stump to go over his where his hand was so it just like fits around his stump and it's flat on the end okay so he is running around with Robin going brushing elbows with the elites, dressing up all nice. So he's one of three, like, he's one of three colored people in Nottingham. Yep. So, he's showing up, brushing elbows with Robin at these high society gatherings, walking around with his metal stump and his scarification done to his face. And, you know, because of his ethnicity, standing out anyway. And then, when the Hood, who suddenly shows up in Nottingham around the same time Robin of Loxley comes back from the dead, you have this colored person with a metal stump and scarification on their face, who is just wearing a different shirt than... John did at the ball the night before acting as the getaway driver and accomplice to the hood while not wearing any type of fucking mask broad fucking daylight driving him away on a fucking horse hmm and no one fucking is like hey that's the dude who was at the party with Robin last night. We should go knock on his door and be like, yo, what's up? <laughs> How the fuck did anyone think that that made sense at all? So he's got like a case of Clark Kent syndrome. Except instead of putting on glasses, he just doesn't wear as nice of a fucking shirt. <laughs> I mean, was it like a really nice shirt? Was it, like, a, a distractingly nice shirt? No. Oh, well. But, like... I tried. <laughs> one of... I only counted three colored people in the whole movie. Yeah. And he's the only one with a fucking cast iron stump where his left hand should be. Are you sure he's the only one? Are you positive? Well, I, I wasn't counting <laughs> hands on the other two, but... Well, there you go. You don't know. 
But he's he, he's the only bald-headed one, and he's the only one with distinct scarification done to his face. I don't know, man. That is never <laughs> covered up. Like, sounds pretty inconclusive to me. For fuck's sakes, like it was pissing me off the whole goddamn movie. Like we were sat yeah. there, and Sarah's like, "Oh, this horse chase is really cool." I was like. You mean the horse chase where the guys are like five feet away from him, like shooting arrows at him, and he has nothing hiding his face, and then he's like walking right past the same fucking dudes at the ball the next night when he's there, you know, escorting Robin of Loxley around? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Like, rule number one, like, he gives Robin, he's the one who gives Robin a mask. And was like, you need to hide your face. (laughs) Yeah. But, but motherfucker, you don't need to? With a, like, yes, you don't have the title of Lord of whatever, so you're not as famous. But you're walking around with the dude. I can't tell if that's bad writing or just, like, a really, really accurate portrayal of how uh, racist some people are. (laughs) God. Of, like, I know he has an iron hand and scarification, but I just can't tell them apart, goddammit. They all look the same. (laughs) Like, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, it bogged the ever-loving shit out of me. I I was mostly interested in seeing this movie because I love Taron Egerton so much. He's so entertaining. But it doesn't sound great. No. I'll still check it out. I mean, you know, find, get my own opinion on it, but I don't have the highest of hopes. No, I... I I was going into it hoping for some cool action scenes. They had some, but, like... It's it's a very mediocre movie. Okay, okay. Uh, A, like, five to ten minutes too late (laughs) counter-argument. You said earlier that do we need... Another Robin Hood already. Yeah. Um, I'm going to counter that by saying I don't believe yet that we've gotten a quality, serious Robin Hood movie yet. Like. Have you seen the Costner one? I did once. I wasn't big on it. Okay. It's been that long since I've seen it that I can't recall if it was good or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, if they keep fumbling Robin Hood movies, yeah, why keep making more? I don't know. It, it's it's just one of those properties that's going to keep coming back. Um, I think one of the biggest issues now is in order to make a movie like this with that plot of you know stealing from the rich, giving to the poor, vigilante, you need big budget. Uh, stunts and effects thrown in there 
to make it a like profitable Hollywood movie. Yeah. But it doesn't logically fit. Like the like it doesn't really make sense to have like like explosions and shit in this in this kind of story. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um and like I've seen lists of like every uh historical inaccuracy and it's just it's you know they they got stuff from all kinds of different timelines in here I do have to share one comment that I seen online when I was reading about the um how unsuccessful this movie was at the box office yeah and this dude was getting eviscerated in the comments for saying oh. this okay the dude commented on it being like well, maybe it's because nobody wants to see an Antifa Robin Hood. Oh. It's like... Okay. And people were just like, are you stupid? <laughs> like, do you not know, like, the story of Robin Hood? The whole, like, robbing from the rich and giving to the poor thing? Like, why are you calling him Antifa? Is it because he was trying to lead some kind of, like, social justice revolution? Or is it just because of the bandana-esque cover he had on his face? Like, either way, both your arguments weak as fuck. Yeah. And, And to argue that Robin Hood isn't making money because of some kind of social aspect... It's just like, dude, did you see Black Panther? Yeah. At all? Yeah. At all. Because that's one of the highest grossing movies of the year. Um, amongst the highest grossing movies ever made. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, weak argument. Yeah. Um, Although, I did see two trailers while I was at the movies. Okay. And both these trailers looked so good. Okay. And those were trailers for Captain Marvel. Yes. And yep. Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yes. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, there was like a five-minute clip of it, of uh, Spider-Verse at the end of Venom. Oh, really? Yeah. And it looks so good. Like, I am more excited for this movie now than I have been, like, for the past couple months. Like, I keep forgetting that we're getting Aquaman within the next month because I'm just like, Spider-Man, 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 Spider-Man. Yeah. It, it's one of the few superhero movies coming up that really completely ignores my superhero burnout. Yeah. Because I want to see this movie on a different level altogether. Dude, the Prowler's going to be in it. Fucking John Mulaney is Spider-Ham. Right? Like, John Mulaney is one of my favorite stand-up comedians, and he is Spider-Ham. Like, any time I say, like, do you want to watch a comedy special on Netflix? Like, the first thing Emily says is she wants to re-watch one of the three John Mulaney specials on Netflix right now. Dude, it's fucking hilarious. But, like, there were parts in this trailer with Spider-Ham that actually made me laugh out loud in the theater. Oh, my God. It's awesome. I'm excited for it. I really am. Oh, my God, yes. Um... I want to touch on a couple more trailers, actually. Yep. But first, uh, just to clarify, Fantastic Beasts 2 and Wreck-It Ralph 2 came out. You didn't get to see either of those yet, did you? I didn't. Um, I've been too busy. We do have Fantastic Beasts 2 here. 
I just okay, haven't yeah. gotten a chance to see it yet because, I mean, I got back from St. John's and had to go straight into work and night shifts, and last night I just crashed. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, now I figured I'd mention it because I know you're a fan of that series. Um, probably touch on that next episode. Yep. Uh, let me see. Okay, trailers. There's two specific trailers that came out that the internet blew up about, and we got to talk about both of them. Uh, did you watch the Lion King trailer? I did watch the Lion King trailer. That movie is going to be nuts. Yep. Um, the comments I'm seeing a lot, and I have to agree with, are, oh god, we have to see Mufasa die in that much detail? Yeah, uh, it, it's gonna be hard. It is, man. Like, Lion King is one of my favorite animated movies ever. Um, and this one, it looks, it looks like it's gonna be real fucking good, like, I, I think John Favreau pulled out all the stops in this. Like, John Favreau's been knocking it out of the park lately. He really has. Jungle Book was great. Jungle Book was good. Um, so yeah, uh, Lion King comes out July 19th next year, and... Man, it's going to be hard to choose which movies to actually go see next year. There's so much. Yeah. Um, something I realized the other day, through acquisitions and just release dates and so on, Disney is going to make so much money next year. Yep. Because, just think about this. Like, okay... So they've got Star Wars. You got Star Wars Episode Nine coming out. Yep. You have the Marvel movies. So you've got Captain Marvel. You got Avengers Four. You got Spider Man Far From Home. Uh, they made that Fox acquisition. So you have X Men Dark Phoenix coming out. You got New Mutants coming out. And then you look at the other movies under Disney for next year, and you've got uh, their live action stuff. They're doing Dumbo and Aladdin and Lion King. Um, one second now. I had it written down somewhere. There's more that I'm missing. Oh yeah, because Pixar is under Disney, so you got Toy Story four. Um, uh, and you have one second. I know there's something I'm missing here. A big money maker. What is it? It is. Oh yeah, there we go. Frozen two. Yeah, that's Those gonna. Are, that's one calendar year. That's insane. Yep, Disney's Disney's gonna buy the fucking U.S. government with that kind of money. It's it's gonna be fucking nuts. Yep. Yep. So uh, so that's happening, and and they're gonna launch the fucking streaming service. So that's more money. Yeah. So um, this time next year we'll we'll all be. Uh, Submitting ourselves over to our supreme overlord Disney. Yep. Um, and in the meantime, let's talk about that Detective Pikachu trailer. Yeah. That that was something. Um, like I I thought that had to be fake at first, and then I was just like, "What the fuck? Like this is real?" 
Did you, so did you hear much about this movie leading up to the trailer? No, I heard about the Detective Pikachu game. Okay. Which I was just like, eh, it looks very meh. Not like I do enjoy Pokemon, but it doesn't really seem up my alley. Yeah. Then like I just thought that this was another trailer for the game. And I was just oh, okay. like so I didn't watch it at first. And then when oh. people started flipping out about it, I was just like, oh, it's not for that mediocre-looking game. And I watched it, and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. I I knew about it for some time now. I know they've had this movie in development. And I followed the casting of Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. And I forget the guy's name from uh, from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and uh, what, whatnot. That guy. Uh I didn't expect much. It didn't sound like it was going to be that good. Um, what do you think? Did you like? Does this look as good to you as it looks to me? Cause... Oh, I'm definitely going to see it. Like, even if Ryan Reynolds wasn't voicing Pikachu, I would be so down for this movie. They like they made the Pokemon look both realistic and game accurate. Yeah. Like. The whole fucking Mr. Mime scene from the trailer and... The Gre- the Greninjas that are chasing them. Yeah. Like, it looks great. Yeah. Um, have you looked at the poster or anything about the poster? Not yet, no. There... Someone broke down every little Easter egg in the poster. I watched a breakdown of all the Easter eggs in the trailer, but I didn't see one for the poster. There is, um, they think they figured out who the main villain of the movie is going to be. Yeah? Because in the poster, there is graffiti that references Mewtwo. And they think it's going to be Mewtwo as the big bad of the movie. Which kind of makes sense. It does. I think that's, I think that's the best choice for this movie. Um... I'm really excited for this movie. Like, I, I'm not even as big into Pokemon as, say, like, uh, you are. But, man, this looks so good. It really does. And it's not even that far away. It comes out uh, in May. Yeah, really, though. Like, that's so soon. I know. Uh, and it, it's, yeah, it's, it looks great. Um... So yeah, uh, that's some recent movies and stuff we saw, and I feel like a good transition here, speaking of Pokemon, is that you picked up the new Pokemon game. I did, yeah. For Switch, that you were very excited about when we uh, had our video ga- our E3 episode back in the spring there. Yeah. So how's it uh, living up to the hype? Um, the story is pretty much spot on with... Uh, excuse me. With Pokemon Yellow. Okay. Um. It's not that hard to find certain Pokemon. Okay, yeah. Which was alright. Like, the whole... Um, the leveling up part of it is interesting. Because you don't get that much experience from battles in this game. Yeah. The way you get a lot of experience is from chain catching. So you're running around and like 
let's take Pidgey for example and you see a Pidgey you catch it and then you're running around and a Pidgey another Pidgey spawns and a Rattata spawns you ignore the Rattata catch another Pidgey and then it's like chain combo two then you catch another okay. Pidgey three and so on and so on and um when your chain increases, it increases the chance of shiny Pokemon to appear. It gives you more experience. Uh, yep. It increases the chance of the Pokemon giving you items such as candy and uh, things like that to power up your Pokemon because they replace items like Carbos and Protein and stuff like that that increase your Pokemon's stats. Um, once you have a chain of 31 or more, so just 30 plus, excuse me, um, it increases your chances of the Pokemon you encounter having better IVs. Okay. Which are individual values, and there's six of them. So, like, that being HP, attack, special attack, speed, defense, special defense. And I chained up to... I was trying to get... Because, like, my favorite Pokemon ever is Rhydon. So once I encountered Rhyhorn, I started chain-catching Rhyhorns to try and get a perfect one. And the best I was able to do, I got up to 102 consecutive Rhyhorns. Jesus. Yeah. And I didn't get a shiny, and the best I got stat... Or IV-wise was um, five out of its six were the best they could be. And one of them was like one notch down. So, like, I think all of them except for special defense were best. And special defense was still fantastic. But it, like took me a while but then all these Rhyhorns that I caught trying to uh, get this amazing one I transferred them to the professor and he was just like hey here's a boatload of Rhyhorn candy since all you sent me was just a hundred Rhyhorns and then all those Rhyhorn candy like just like increased each of his stats by one so I ended up with this jacked fucking Rhyhorn, which evolved into a Rhydon, which is a fucking tank and a half. That, like, I just had my favorite Pokemon, and it, like, he wasn't invincible. He did faint sometimes in battles. Like, um, I think two of the gym leaders managed to knock him out. But... He was a fucking beast, and being able to, like, run around with, like, riding on my favorite Pokemon, and just having him kick ass in battle, and, oh, it was so good. Nice. A lot of people were saying that they didn't like how the catch mechanic looked in this game, because you can't battle them and weaken them with one of your Pokemon, and it's too much like Pokemon Go. I kind of get that, but at the same time, like, it didn't take anything away from the gameplay for me. Yeah? Like, this game looks beautiful. Okay. I, I got two questions here. Yep. Um, two two kind of variations of a similar question. Yep. 
Uh, how well do you think, like, take all the the context out of it, how well do you think this game works on its own as a Pokemon game versus previous Pokemon games? Like, take the, say, the console aspect out of it. Um, okay, there's a bit of a double-edged thing for me here. Okay. Um, I think it's fantastic that the Pokemon appear in the overworld when they're in the wild, and it's not just, like, random encounters in the grass that you don't see coming, like, oh no, this 30-foot rock snake was in this tiny little patch of knee-deep grass (laughs) that I accidentally ran into, like, you know, like, when Onyx shows up, it is to scale. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Like, it is massive, and you're just like, oh, there's a big fucking onyx. I'm gonna try and walk around it now. Half the time, you still end up encountering it because it's so big, it blocks, like, the entire fucking path, but then you just either catch it, or you just exit the encounter, and it disappears. Yeah. Um, But, as a person who likes to play Nuzlocks, it, like... The beauty of the Nuzlocke is, like, every time you encounter, every time you start a new route, you can catch the first new Pokemon that you encounter. Okay, yeah. But with this, like, you can kind of pick and choose what Pokemon you get. Like, you know, you show up to a new route, you run around a little bit outside the grass, and, like, until four or five Pokemon spawn, you're like, oh, there's the one I want. And you run over and you get him. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Whereas, like, I've been playing Nuzlocke's where it's just like, okay, there's a Pokemon on this route that I'm really hoping for. Nope, I got a Caterpie. Yeah. And then you're just stuck with whatever you get. Mm -hmm. So Um, that kind of takes away from the, like, replay value of this game for me. Okay. But... Everyone who I've talked to who has played it loves this game. Yeah. And there's a lot of post-game stuff to do. Like, yeah, I've already beaten the game. Yeah. But um, there's shiny hunting, which I've only caught two shinies so far. I got a Geodude and a Graveler. Ironically enough, two Pokemon in the same evolutionary line. Huh. Um... But each Pokemon has a Master Trainer. Okay. So what these Master Trainers are is I've beaten two of them. I beat the one for Rhydon and I beat the one for Eevee because those are my two strongest Pokemon being my starter and my favorite. Of course. So we'll use the Rhydon Master Trainer as an example. These guys are scattered everywhere throughout the game that and they only show up after you've become the champion okay yep. so the Rhydon master trainer is in the team rocket hideout in the basement of the game corner in celadon city yeah walk up to this guy you have to have Rhydon in your party and it has to be the first pokemon in your party and you can challenge this guy he has a single pokemon and it is a level 75 Rhydon with good stats. And it has 
this guy's Rhydon has two moves. It has Earthquake, which is one of the most powerful ground-type attacks in the game, which is super effective against other Rhydons because uh, Rock is weak to ground. And it also knows Horn Drill, which is a one-hit KO move. And you have to beat this guy using only a single Rhydon that you have trained up but you cannot use any items. Like, you can't heal. If you have multiple ride-ons, you can't switch. It's just your one ride-on yeah. against his one ride-on. Huh. And once you beat him, he's like, okay, now you're the ride-on master. But if you want to battle again sometime, just come back and see me. I did the same thing with Eevee. Nice. But there's someone in this game that you have to go find and beat that has a level, like... 70 Caterpie <laughs> and you can only use another Caterpie to try and beat it. That you have to train up yourself. So like right now like I'm just like while I'm shiny hunting I'm just leveling up random Pokemon. So like my plan right now is I'm working on a Zubat. Okay. Yeah. And I have him up to like level 62 right now. Jesus Christ. Yeah, fucking Zubat. And yeah. I have to keep canceling his evolution. Because he keeps trying to evolve every time he levels up. Yeah. Yeah. So what the plan is, is I'll have this like level 75 Zubat that I'll go and I'll fight the Zubat Master Trainer with. And once I beat him, then I'll level up the Zubat once more, let it evolve into a Golbat, and then go try and find the Golbat Master Trainer and fight him as well. Yeah, that makes sense. But, again, there's Master Trainers for, like, rare Pokemon, too. Like, I've only managed to find one Dratini so far, and I had to evolve it into Dragonair and then Dragonite in order to complete my Pokedex. Yeah. But that means I'm going to have to go find another Dratini and mm. beef this bad boy up so I can go take down the Dratini Master Trainer, who I have, like, run past while exploring stuff in the post game. Yeah. So I've got to go find like other like I've got to go find another Kangaskhan and aside from legendary Pokemon Kangaskhan has the lowest catch rate of mm. all Pokemon in the game. Yeah. Like it took me so long to find and catch a pincer. So I mean like thankfully I only need the one pincer because there's no evolutions but like there's so much to do post game like catching shinies and then like finding and beating all the master trainers after leveling up your Pokemon adequately cause like the first couple times I tried that Eevee master trainer like that Eevee they had was level 75 mine was 68 and they still beat me in two turns wow yeah and then I had to go back to the drawing board and jack myself up a little bit and go in with a strategy of being like, okay, I'm going to use this move, which has a chance to burn them. And once they're burned, their attack stat gets halved. And then I'll, you know, just pound away at them after that. Which ended up being what worked for me. But, like, it took me, like, five tries. It took nice. me more tries than that to beat Ride on Master Trainer. Yeah. Like, it's... You know, like, there's so much to do, and I don't know. It it seems like a good introduction to 
the Pokemon universe for children as well. Okay. And, like, they have requirements to get into the gyms now. So, like, when you get to the first gym, and this was in some of the trailers and reveals and stuff, so it's not too big of a spoiler. But in order to get into the first gym, the Pewter City gym, which is rock type, dude stops you at the door and he's like, you can't enter the gym unless you show me either a grass or a water type Pokemon. Which are super effective. So it starts teaching you about type effectiveness. And then you get to another gym and it's like, you can't get in unless you show me a Pokemon that's at least this level. Making sure that you're not like underleveled. And then another one, it's like, oh, you have to find this item out in the overworld in order to come get in. All right, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a good way to teach aspects of the game without being, like, too... Hand-holdy. Yeah, and yeah. too, like, <laughs> explaining, you know? Like, I, I, found, I found certain games I've played that they kind of over-explain stuff. Yeah, which takes away from it a fair bit. And the yeah. whole, like, catching Pokemon tutorial at the beginning of the game was pretty quick. So, like, when you restart the game and you're trying to play through again, like, you don't have to sit through this long-winded explanation where you're just, like, rolling your eyes for 20 minutes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I I definitely enjoy it. Um, Now, I do have one major complaint about this game. Okay. And that's, in order to trade Pokemon or to battle online with friends because like the game came out on a Friday and I was having trouble sleeping so like Saturday morning I was awake at like 5am and Mitchell was also awake because he was at work but he had a little bit of downtime so we were both playing Pokemon and chatting and we traded uh, so my Kadabra would evolve into an Alakazam before I battled the third gym. Okay. But in order to trade or battle online, you need to uh, pay for the online subscription. Like, you need the, like, paid membership for, like, the Nintendo Switch online function. Like, you need... Oh, okay. Kind of like PS Now. Yeah. So... Like, there's four Pokemon in this game that can't evolve unless they're traded. Being uh, Graveler and yeah. Golem, Machoke and Machamp, Haunter and Gengar, and Kadabra and Alakazam. Plus, uh, Pikachu and Eevee, both games, have their exclusive Pokemon. Like, um, Bellsprout is in one, Oddish is in the other. Yeah. Type thing. Plus, do they do this? Do they do the same thing with like Growlithe and Vulpix? Yeah, I know. I know they used to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you get through Mount Moon, you're like, it's like, hey, like pick one of these two fossils, because each game has had two fossils to choose from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like you choose one, and then you get a friend to choose the other, and then you trade, or like, yeah. When you beat the fighting dojo. It's like, hey, do you want a Hitmonchan or a Hitmonlee? Mm. But you only get one, and that's the only place to get them. 
So you have to trade in order to complete the Pokedex, which, I mean, the whole tagline of these games is got to catch them all. Yeah. But then you have to pay for this online service in order to be able to trade, which I wasn't a paying member yet. Like, it was okay for Mitchell because Mitchell was already subscribed to this um, service because he's had the Switch for longer, he plays more games on it, yada, yada, yada. Me... Like, I was brand new to this, so then I had to uh, bust out my credit card and sign up for this at 5 o'clock in the morning just so Mitchell and I could trade so I could evolve the fucking Kadabra into an Alakazam. And then I had to try to remember to cancel my membership. Like, the it gives you a free trial for so many days, but then, like, yeah, yeah. you're blowing through the game to try and, like, get all the Pokemon you need to trade by a certain point and then trying to like cancel the free membership or then like you keep paying for it and all this shit or you can just uh, use Pokemon Go and transfer the Pokemon from Pokemon Go to the game yeah but then you don't have these Pokemon in Pokemon Go anymore because they can't be sent back they're permanently gone over to Let's Go from Pokemon oh, okay. Go. Yeah. Which not everyone plays Pokemon Go either. And yeah. like to use Mitchell as an example, I'm not sure if this is the case for him, but let's say Mitchell was playing Pokemon Go. You guys are in a smaller center like Port of Basque. So yep. th- there's not going to be as many wild Pokemon spawning for you to catch in Pokemon Go. There's not going to no. be as rare of Pokemon spawning. There's not you're not gonna be getting as many eggs from Pokestops to hatch rarer Pokemon. Yeah. So like the game itself was fun, but the fact that you kinda had it had that little bit of pay to play feel kinda rubbed me the wrong way because it's like the game is fucking eighty bucks plus tax plus warranty. Like, I'm paying close to 100 bucks for this fucking game, and then you're going to make me pay to trade, like, half a dozen Pokemon? Yeah. Like, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. I'm not, not big on the, the pay-to-play stuff. Me either, especially when games are so, like, they're expensive anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get it that, you know... Like, they cost so much to make, so they got to charge an appropriate amount to make profits and keep their studio going and pay their employees and yada, yada, yada. But if I'm paying $90 or more for a game by the time taxes and warranty and everything else like that, I don't want to pay another $7 in order to trade Pokemon with my friends, in order to battle Pokemon against my friends online. Yeah, I get that. Like, I'm already paying for my internet connection at the house. I don't want to fucking pay for that shit with the Switch as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of my rant for that game, though. (laughs) So, uh, overall, great game. You're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, If I had to rate this game out of... Uh, what was it? Eight or six slices? Eight. Eight, Eight slices. Is how we do it here. 
I'll give this game six and a crust. Six and a crust. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely keep me busy until Smash Bros. comes out. Yeah, for sure. Which, actually, speaking of that, I'm not so sure I'm going to be playing Smash Bros. right away when it comes out. Oh, yeah? Because I do have the game pre-ordered. Yep. But my parents were struggling with things for Christmas for me because normally it's just like, I mean, I'm a grown-ass man with a career. Like, anything I want, I just normally buy for myself. Yeah, I hear you. And so mom was visiting, and she said to me, she was like, are there any games that you have pre-ordered coming out between now and Christmas? I said, yes. And she said, okay, do not buy it for yourself. So I, I had to put her on my account at EB. Yeah. So mom is going to buy Smash Bros. for me when it comes out wrap it and put it under the tree for me for Christmas. So I know I'm getting it. I would have bought it for myself anyway, but mom was just like, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. Cause like <laughs> I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. I, like anything I want, I either have already bought for myself or is expensive enough that I don't want to ask my parents for it because it's just like, I don't want my parents to spend that much on me for Christmas. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. It's just like, I mean, I want a new tool chest for the basement. But yeah. the ones I've been looking at are upwards of 600 bucks. And I yeah. don't want my parents to spend 600 bucks on me for Christmas. Like, fuck, they, no. could, they could spend 20 bucks on me and I'll be happy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, I don't want my parents to buy me the new uh, desktop setup that I want for yeah. my office like it's gonna cost probably two grand fuck like you know like again I don't want them to spend that much so I kind of was like yeah alright I won't buy myself Smash Bros when it comes out I'll wait like two weeks until Christmas so you can give it to me and then I'll play it and then you know mom's happy cause she got me something for Christmas that I'm gonna enjoy and I just have to wait a little bit to play a game I'm very excited for. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think I'm only getting the one game for Christmas off the top of my head. Uh, I'm getting a copy of God of War. Nice. Because that went, that went on super cheap for Black Friday, and I'm really excited to get into that one. Um, what was I going to say? I might buy a couple like digital games so i want to try uh undertale really want to try dream daddy a dad dating simulator i've seen that and it looks fucking awesome it does and uh i know we're going to be getting a second ps4 controller for christmas and so me and charlotte are going to get terraria going again which terraria if you if you don't know is like a 2d Minecraft essentially and I think it's probably in like our top five games for both me and Charlotte it, like I don't know if there's a video game I've put more hours into in my life and I'm really excited to get back into that one um, but in, in terms of games I've been playing 
Charlotte picked up the Spyro Reignited trilogy because um, she was a big Spyro fan as a kid. Played a lot of apparently the third one, Year of the Dragon. Nice. Um, I didn't play much of this as a kid at all. Like I watched a friend of mine play a fair bit of the first one. Um, so she bought it, and uh, I think she bought it on like Saturday or Sunday. So you know, we had to wait for the for it to install and whatnot. Yeah. And sun Sunday, I was like, yeah, I'll give it a show. I'll, I'll give it a, a shot, and you know, see what it's like. And I am fucking hooked. I love this so much. Um, the remaster they did is absolutely beautiful. The graphics are incredible. It's all running on the Unreal Engine. It looks so good. Um, and it, it's really fun, like, sort of layout for the game. It's almost open world. And the game is basically, like, it's less about combat and more about collecting. Like, you have to collect certain things to finish a level and... You have to collect so many things in a world to move on to the next world and so on. And I'm basically just trying to 100% this thing. Um, I'm only... I'm, I'm on like the third or fourth world of the first game. I'm so in love with this. And I, I should have assumed that I would love it because it's made by the same guys who made Sunset Overdrive and the new Spider-Man game, which I loved. So, uh, yeah, um... I've been playing a bit of Spyro, and I'm loving it, and I'm having a good time with it, and I'm probably going to play a bunch of it today again. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I actually got a, I, I got a new game for once. <laughs> because usually I don't get the new games. I'm, I'm always a couple months behind, or a year behind, or what have you. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't have much else to say, because I'm not that far into the whole thing. Um, oh, oh! One thing that was really cool is they brought cheat codes back into this game. Fuck yeah! You can enter, you can enter cheat codes in the menu, and like, like you can do like big head mode or or change the the color of Spyro and stuff like that, which is a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, I like cheat codes. Brings it back to a simpler time. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's it for this episode. I think we're... I think it's a wrap. Sounds good to me. This is, yeah, it, this is good. This is this is good. Uh, this is a good little chat. Uh, a classic Jedi dropouts. Let's geek out about the shit we watched and the shit we played and a couple mailbag questions, stuff like that, you know? Yep. Um... It's good to be back at it. We're actually going to meet a deadline and have two episodes within two weeks of each other. Word. Give give or take. I mean, yep. a couple of days off, but whatever. Ish. Uh, yeah, it's going to take me a couple of days to get this thing mixed and yeah. and ready for release. But yeah, it'll be sometime throughout the week. And uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back in another two weeks and keep this fucking ball rolling. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably be back with some more reviews and such. Seeing some more new stuff and so on. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, fittingly, with all the Pokemon talk on today's episode between the, po- the Detective 
Pikachu trailer and Pokemon Let's Go. Uh, me and Mitchell will be having a Final Form episode released next week where we review, uh, we talk about Pokemon the first movie. Fuck yeah. That's that's our next topic, and that's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, make sure you go check that out. That movie just um, tears at the heart. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's been a while. I'm gonna. It's interesting to uh, go back and watch it because I don't think I've seen it since. Fuck, since I was a little kid, man. I saw, um, I saw it a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, because I was doing a shift on pediatrics, and the kid I was working with wanted to watch it. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we just like hung out and watched this movie. And I was nice. just like, you're at work. Can't cry. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's wrap this up. Uh, thank you all, as always, for tuning in, listening to Jelly Dropouts, commenting, sending us your questions, following us on social media and all that shit. We very much uh, appreciate it and love you all. We do. We really do. Uh, everyone's been so supportive in every aspect, and and the extra life st- stream speaks to that. Three hundred dollars for something that we came up with like fucking two weeks out. Yep. Uh, awesome. Couldn't ask for anything better. And I, w- I want to do more of that stuff. It it was really great being able to give something back. Um, it really and, was. And I think we'll do that again. Yep. When who knows. But we will. Uh, yeah. Um, as always, you can check out other episodes of Jedi Dropouts, uh, Final Form, Hyper Battle, and whatever else we come up with over at www.jedidropouts.podbean.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And, uh, yeah. And uh, if you're in the Cornerbrook area, um, every Wednesday night, the Grenfell Campus Horror Society has a movie night in one of the lecture theaters and we will be providing snacks so if you're into horror movies slash meeting some cool people slash doing a little bit of trivia because they have a trivia competition at the beginning of every night uh go check that out yes we haven't found a sponsor for our podcast yet but we have been sponsoring something else yep bringing joy to people's lives yeah, and you know what? We haven't had that many tangents in this episode, so I need to take one right now. Uh, speaking of trivia, how much Jeopardy have you been watching on Netflix? What is all, Alex? <laughs> we we have four episodes left to the uh, second tournament of champions on there, and I I don't want to run out of Jeopardy. I love Jeopardy so much. Man, it's so good. Like it's so fucking you great. You feel you feel like a genius when you get the questions right, and when you don't yeah. know the answers, you're learning something. Exactly, exactly. Man, uh, funny story. It's a really funny story. Um, so I've been listening to jazz lately. Nice. Uh, I just I the mood struck me, and I started listening to some jazz. I've been kind of educating myself on jazz classics and so on. And, um, so we were watching Jeopardy literally like three to four days after I started listening to jazz and the final Jeopardy question 
was a jazz question, and it happened to the answer happened to be the only jazz song that I could name up to that point. Nice. And so this like obscure jazz question comes up as Final Jeopardy, and I immediately spit out the right answer, and Charlotte looks at me like, "Who the fuck are you?" Yeah, I've had a few of those moments lately. Yeah, they're fun. They're really fun. When like, it's just Emily will just you... turn and look at me and be like, how do you know these things? <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're fun. It, you feel smart, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, if you if you really want to feel smart, like like when you get the right, que- the right answer on, on a Jeopardy question... Then tune in to Jedi Dropouts, where listening to two dumb assholes talk about geeky stuff will definitely make you feel smart. Yeah. Um, because you definitely can't feel stupid when you're listening to us. Um, and that's it. As I said, uh, you know where to check out the episodes. And uh, thank you all for dropping by. Yep. Something something. Drop out. Later. Peace. This has been a Jedi Dropouts production.